Hello and welcome. My name is Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and I would like to welcome Jamie Alexander to the show once again. Now I say once again because not exactly a year ago, but pretty much a year ago last year, Jamie and I uh, did a series of episodes and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, everyone's doing this kind of like year in recap of quarantine COVID And I remember we did kind of like a catch up and we both were like, I'm being tried and I'm being tested. And what a warm up in hindsight that was to what was coming down the pipeline. (laughs) Right? I wasn't ready. (laughs) I mean, it kind of, at least like mentally, I was like, you know what? Right now shit's hitting the fan, you know? And like, by the way, in, in comparison to like what we then would deal with, that was like, the, the kiddie pool of it, let's say, you know, I don't even know exactly. what we're talking about. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not bad. It definitely, I think there's a lot that has prepared me personally for this COVID situation. So even though it was hectic, it was still something, and we've talked about it, that you're able to deal with and navigate and use what you know to like get through it. So, I mean, yeah. I'm here for it. I'm definitely, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot, but. It still is a lot. And I think I'm still processing a lot of things. I think I'm just now getting to the point where I can process what the last year looked like. Yes. Well, let me also, let me quickly take a step back. Uh, For those of you who don't know, amazing host um, among many, many other things. I know like, (laughs) I always feel like it just never does it uh, enough of a justice, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, definitely um, someone who, who is very inspirational. Um, has a lot of wisdom. If you didn't catch the first kind of series of episodes that we did, that's why she's here. Um, And yeah, today uh, the goal is to kind of just catch up and and through that catch up, just extract the wisdoms we have learned along along the way. So I don't know, what's some of the things that you look back in hindsight that, that a were things that served you well um, that you picked up before. And then what are some of the new things that you did learn along the way? I'm curious. Yeah. So some of the good things that I picked up and learned along the way, I can almost tie it together because it's one thing to study wisdom and read books and read these quotes, but then it's another thing when life gets you an opportunity to put it in motion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are we just going to talk about, you know, surrendering and walking in the unknown and let life unfold? But then when that starts really happening and in a level where we really don't have control, who are you going to be and how are you going to show up? And that's kind of what I had to grapple with and, and stay present for in this past year from quarantine to COVID. Because let's see, we're in March. It's been one exact year since the 15th when everything shut down. But I was very much in January. And so first of all, I feel like just November 2019, December, and then January and February 2020 prepared me in a specific Mm -hmm. way. In November, I traveled. I I went to see my grandma for her 80th birthday. And I kind of like hosted. They had this big thing. We have a lot of family. I like hosted her birthday. We all got together, cousins, everything. And it's been a while since we did that. Then I went to Tulum. And I I felt that with myself. I was like, should I spend the money? Should I... I grappled with it. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? 
you know, and I made such a big deal out of it in my brain. And I'm like, Jay, why are you doing this? Like, why are you acting like you don't have the resources and the energy? Like walk what you talk. Like (laughs) I would never tell anyone to think that hard about taking a vacation. If you want to go, go the money will come because it does. So I had to like, you know, so I went to Tulum in December, which I'm so glad I did because look now everything's weird. January and February, I was tested at my job. I was working full time and it was just like, I was doing too much. I was unhappy there. It was hard for me to balance my home life and working out and just keeping it together. I was on the, it was too much, but I started using that time and I was studying Joe Dispenza to kind of like manifest a new reality. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, let me try this out with my meditation instead of just being silent and thinking and feeling joy and gratitude. Let me see if I can take my mind into a future that I desire and look at it like a memory almost, you know, like when you're looking at where you want to be, you know, so I'm doing all this work and doing all this stuff (laughs) and then COVID happens and it's like, all of that became, okay, can I walk in the unknown? Can I walk in the unfolding? And I'm still doing it. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We never really did, but now everything's so uncertain because it's like, first it was like this thing that happened with COVID. Then everything started shutting down. Then it was like stimulus and unemployment and all of these things going on. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't just a one month moment, two months, three months. Oh, now there's no summer. Oh, now we can't do this for Thanksgiving, but you know, so none of us could have expected that in March. So I'm, I'm setting the scene and giving all that to say is like, this gave me an opportunity to actually walk in the unknown and be okay with not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, not knowing every single thing about where I'm headed, not being able to see the whole staircase because as humans, that makes us comfortable. We plan and move and spend according to our next paycheck, according to what we plan for the next whatever months. We're so comfortable there, but that's not really the reality of things. So I think that COVID, it was a good and bad, you know, to, to find the calibration and balance between learning how to walk in a way that we probably should have been trained from the get go. Yeah. Like this is the real way to live, honestly, the not knowing or whatever. So that's what I've been navigating and I, it, it's been challenging, but this is good. I'm enjoying yeah. it and it's creating ease and space in me so I can, you know, balance out a little more. Chloe agrees. That's with right, you. buddy. <laughs> um, no, I, I, so a lot of things there. Right. Um, and I want to stop. Hey, come on. Um, I want to. I like the idea that you're viewing it as an opportunity, right? Um, I think that's key. And I want to talk about that. And I love this idea that you are applying the lessons of it because for me, right, you know, there's duality, right? Obviously it, it was very hard. It's challenging and you don't wish upon it on anyone, but I think the biggest detriment would be if we gain nothing from this, you know, if we went through this experience, it fucking sucked. It was shitty. It was this. And what do we learn? Nothing. It's like, well, we, it was an experience. And so we went through it. And, and I, so that's why I love the reframing of it as the opportunity, because I remember, um, you know, people will say, I want to have patience or I want to be courageous. It's like, okay, well, how do you display that? Well, here's a lion, you know, <laughs> the, Jump right gonna, in. yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, and, and, um, and I think 
I, I really look at like adjectives as really verbs, you know? So like in order to show courageous, you know, be a, a someone that, that is courageous. Well, again, whatever it is, whether it's facing a lion or, you know, all this stuff. And so um, I a hundred percent agree. So let's, let's dive in a little bit more into Joe Dispenza because I like you, I, I really believe in what he has to say. Um, and one of the things, you know, uh, I think people can look at him as for those unaware, you know, he talks about in essence, manifesting what you want, right. Instead of just, as you described it, instead of just meditating, um, and clearing your mind, it's like, think about a future that you actually want. Right. Um, and what I love about him is he has science to actually back up his shit. He doesn't just like talk about like, yeah, no, let's just, you know, manifest and it's all there and power positivity, no, he really knows he studied this for years on end and can and can do that. Um, is it is it because of that fact that that you were really drawn into this or or like well yeah how did how did you get turned on to him? I'm curious. Yeah, it was the science for me because don't get me wrong, I love the woo-woo stuff. I'm here for it, but without even even listening to stuff with Joe Dispenza helped me understand the Bible more. I don't think it's a bad idea to have science um, introduced when we're talking about spirituality in all ways because it's the way our brain works. It's completely tied. If God made us, and you know whether you believe that or not, this is just me. You know, God made us at higher power. Something has all this going on and functioning, and so it all ties together. Like how you say, you know, seek and you shall find or ask and it is given. And we say all these things and we ask, then we look around and we're like, well, I love Joe Dispenza because the science behind how new neurological pathways are created when we think focus a certain way, to me, that equals faith. So it's one thing to say, oh, have faith and just believe it when you can't see. It's like, all right. But when I hear the science behind the way our brain works and that when you focus and look at things in a particular way, it creates neurological pathways that allow it to integrate into this human body. So now it becomes an experience that makes sense to me. So I wanted to try it um, and think of things differently. And so along with Joe Dispenza, he talks about things like this, but I also read things like happy pocket full of money. And it talks about time and our misconception of time. And that really all that we have is now. And that's kind of hard to grasp again, when we're living this life, like I get a paycheck in two weeks. Uh, I want to take my vacation in a month. I have the kids when we're in the routine and we've just got it all figured out. Time is only now. So if that's the case, if time is only now, and I take what Joe Dispenza talks about and meditating and thinking about the life I want to live and want to create, then that is reality because all we have is now. So if I'm living in that space, just like we are quick to go to a memory, you can think of a memory of losing someone or being embarrassed at school or being nervous for a job interview or whatever it is, you can think about that and fully have a feeling about, oh, I remember that. And, or you can get passionate when you're talking about an old story because you're there, you lived it. But if time, if there's only now, what's the difference between a memory that has happened and a memory you want to create? 
And can we be okay with marrying that all to now? Because that's all we have. And, and thinking about time and meditation in that way just allowed me to take the woo-woo out of it and be like, well, that actually makes perfect sense to me. I can't even argue with that. It's science. It's right here, you know? So it's fun. I really like it. And I do believe it changed my life. Like I'm, I don't know how everything's going to happen and I'm okay with it, but I'm living differently. I'm not as pressed as I was to quote unquote, make things happen. That's how I was raised. You make it happen. If you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You know, you have to do this and, and don't get me wrong. There's movement to make, but it's, it's just different. I think we were raised to believe the hustle looks a lot different than when it really does. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one of the big things in tying it to 2020 is this idea. And, you know, it's not a catch-all by any means, but like, like you talked about your vacation to Tulum, you know, you were kind of hesitant. And when, as soon as the pandemic hit, I saw a lot of people operate from a place of fear. And when you do that, you're, and, and even if it wasn't the pandemic, right? I mean, part of the reason why they were operating in that panic, because they were trying desperately to hold on to what was, um, as opposed to, you, you know, like you said, create, let's, what do we actually want to create, um, you know, through this? And I think for me, it, it I, I, I was able to get through the pandemic um, if we are through the pandemic, however you want to view it. Um, because for me, I didn't, I tr- as much as I could, I tried not to operate from a place of fear. I wasn't always successful at it, but you know, the idea of like, you know, I had so many friends tell me of, oh, if only things were normal, I wouldn't know what to do. Well, if things were normal, you wouldn't have to make the decisions. And also obviously this, this leads into the larger discussion, which I'd love to have, um, at, at some point during all this, but like, was the new, was the normal okay, you know, because A, I mean, even from a very myopic standpoint, you can look at like jobs and things like that as not in the healthiest way. And certainly I would love to get your opinion on kind of uh, social justice and, you know, with everything going on there, because I'll just kind of tee it up and you can take it whenever. Um, my thought was like, I was glad the world kind of stood still because I really thought at least they could pay, we could pay attention to the injustices of the world rather than like, Oh, Hey, did you send that email by the way? Like, you know, <laughs> you know? right. You go into the game on Sunday. Let's do happy hour. Let all the distractions. Da, 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 da. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you can, you, however you want to kind of take it from there. We talk about the aspect of control or, you know, we can get into the deeper stuff if you want to go there now. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. Um, the operating out of fear was the first thing. And that's, and that's what I'm saying with the walking in the unknown. It's like, we just, we just get so comfortable with what we think we know. And that's why people were so attached to the old way, but where were we really going? What were we really doing? Like I, I wasn't living the life I wanted to live and it wasn't a bad life. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, supposed, you know, just going to work this and that. But it's like, I do think that the COVID thing gave us an opportunity, a forced opportunity that we needed because we weren't going to do it on our own to break out of the norm. Like, I feel like full-time work, when did that become a thing in like the 1920s and just like 
just being like on the go. I don't, you know, I don't know what it was. The factory workers, I think it started with that working all these days and hours and then bringing women into the workforce and all this stuff. So some of the stuff that I feel like was implemented was needed to be redone anyway. And this kind of gave us that cold break to look at what it was like, for example, my mom, you know, she's 60. And although she's an energetic woman, I'm like, I don't want her to go on into the office every day, sitting in traffic, coming home. To, it's a lot. The fact that she can work from home now is a blessing. And what was so hard about that before? Everybody, it's just fine. Like it's working out, you know, and with a lot less stress, pressure, less stress on the environment, less stress in the car and just being out, what you have to wear, how you have to show up in the work environment, all of this stuff, it's just become easier. Um, but it's just like, I think that we were low key headed nowhere fast. Like what? now that I look back, I'm like, where were we going to go? Prices on everything. were just going up. Everybody's just getting busier. Everyone's just drinking more and escaping more. We're doing all of these things. We're not living the lives that we desire and nor I don't even think we knew to question that because we're just so used to like we didn't even have the time you're always "Ah, ah, I gotta do this I gotta do this shit I gotta do this I got oh I'm late I'm late you know that was that was life you know and and certainly too much and you know I I think let me know what you think of this because I think it's not like like the self-development movement. I think it's great that people are learning and, and so forth, but I also feel like that can get insidious too of like, oh, I need to keep developing. I haven't you know, developed and so forth. It's like, number one, you're never going to reach this level of like ultimate, right? It just doesn't exist. Correct. Um, you know, sure, get be- if you want to improve and things like that, do it, but that doesn't mean that you're not in a good place already, or the things that you're doing are have to be incorrect. Um, And yeah, I just, and I find that um, because I I did see a lot of my friends get into the self-help movement. I'm like, that's great. Um, But it's it's okay to like, take your foot off the gas pedal. Like, you know, I love the fact that people are reading so many books and I love it. It's like, there's also a fiction book. Like you can, you can enjoy your time, (laughs) you know? And you know, here, here's an interesting jumping off point for you. Um, there's a there's a Beatles quote um, specifically by John um, where he says, time you enjoyed wasting was not wasted. And I look at that. Oh, I love that so much. But I think I look at that, right? And I think we kind of, some we, we like it. We inherently kind of at times are okay with it. Like you might lounge um, and watch Netflix for a few hours or like the weekend and I might do the same. But then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday comes around and you're like, shit, I really wasted my time. I shouldn't have been doing that. So like you were saying, going back to the Joe Dispenza thing, it's like now we're judging things from the past for no reason. It's like, did I enjoy watching Netflix that weekend? If I did, why am I so hard on myself? You know, where's this timeline? That's what I'm saying. You know, this all ties together really, really well. It's, it's. It's the way we were taught. And I agree with you. There's no need to get in a perpetual state of like healing and self-development, like do what needs to be done, but there there's a natural balance to everything. And it's like, yeah, we were raised to feel guilty to rest. You're being lazy. You're not doing enough. Even uh, we were laughing on Twitter because it's like, 
okay, get your stimulus, spend 600, get an LLC and spend the other 500 on drop shipping this and do this, like all of these so productive ways that you can, you know, and I just think we're over, we're overdoing it. We're overdoing all of it. And I, I can even just say this in myself. I at times still get guilty for not doing anything. And it's what I want to do. And I feel like I've gone so hard in the past. Like if I want to take two months off, three months, I don't care. What's the big deal? Like sometimes rest can be way more productive than activity. Being in a place where your brain can relax and you're enjoying something and you're laughing and you're inspired by entertainment and you have space in here to let things flow. That's when your next you know, creative moment or project or ideas come up when you have space to actually get there. So I love it. If you enjoyed the time wasted, what is wasted time? Like if I want to stay here and watch Netflix all day and that makes me happy, like why does my joy all of a sudden not count for anything? And I should have been sitting here learning a second language. Like really? Yeah. What are we doing? I'll give you two (laughs) examples, right? Um, (laughs) I'll give you two examples for your arsenal, and I could pull many more. Sir Isaac Newton, right? Gravity and all that. Dude's just sitting underneath a tree, and an apple happens to fall. One of the greatest discoveries, you know, of science. And it's like, if that, I like to swear, if that motherfucker was in the lab, just at his, you know, not, I was going to say computer. Yeah, exactly. Not that he had a computer, but like, (laughs) you know what I mean? If he's doing that, he never would have seen that apple fall. And then none of that would have came to being, right? So how many times have we seen an apple fall? And I, I, I wouldn't even like come anywhere close to that sort of realization. I'd be like, ah, oh, an apple fell, whatever, and keep it moving. Right. Um, and then, you know, people, people, people love quoting Winston Churchill. I think he's got a lot of wonderful quotes. But I wish they looked at the totality of his life because there was like pretty much a 10-year period where he's doing nothing. He was like just painted, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. He was painting. And you know what? That 10-year down period, I don't know. If he didn't have that down period, I don't know he would have been the leader that he was during World War II. You know? Yeah, because there's no way to get in touch with yourself when you're that distracted. Again, we've been fooled. We've been tricked to believe that, you know, this is the way things go. And so that is part of the reason why I found COVID to be so, you know, of course, I'm sad for everybody who, you know, went through things. Um, It's terrible. It it was it was a nightmare on that. end, of course, for people who lost their lives and family members and things like that. But again, we're still here. So looking at the upside. um, It gave us a not an out. It created the space for us to understand in a new way. Again, if we're going to be reading all this stuff, Joe Dispenza and did it like, what do I look like meditating and then pressuring and going through my entire day like a psychotic person and not even implementing what it is I just learned in this thing. So it just gave us an, a chance to slow down. And that's necessary. Like what you just gave with Isaac Newton and Winston Churchill, like, why aren't we examining that? And this gave us an opportunity to do that. And I'm committed daily to stay in that and it's working that's what's you know it's like almost like the less effort I put in the more comes to me and what is coming to me is authentic for me so isn't that what it's all about I've been kind of looking into that too it's like we have all of these coaches and gurus and people online uh be more feminine be more productive you need to do this you need to do that and I'm like 
we know so much more within our own selves of what we need, but we're so addicted to like checking on the outside if we're doing it right, if we're doing what's supposed to be doing, da, 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 that we are not even in tune with our own rhythm. And that requires rest and quiet time and peace and relaxation than the things we like to do. Paint. I want, I'm, I want to order me some paints. I don't paint, but it looks tranquil. It looks fun. I'm going to try it. Like, who cares? Like, what are we, you know, so we, we stress and I think we're, we're re we're reframing and retraining our brains to function differently. And it's challenging because we, I know so many people that feel like slackers and all of this stuff, but it's like, yeah, I mean, that's it's not the truth. <laughs> and, 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 you know, going back to the idea of like defensive and so forth, it's like, you just mentioned paint, right? Listen, you might become a great painter. You might not. Right. But what, what we, we get so into this idea that like whatever we do has to serve a purpose and we have to be successful with it. And it's interesting. I forget the study that was done, but there was a professor. Um, it was like a first grade class. And uh, he would say to his kids like, hey, we're going to do something today and we're going to do it four times. So you get to try out different things with it. And they would do this with art. They would do this with essays and so forth. And what they found was, you know, these kids were excited by it. They were like, hmm, you know what, this was good, but you know what, I'm going to try it this way. And I can, I think I can improve upon this. And, you know, I'm also going to try this. And that made it all the better. Right. And, and it's, it, we, as opposed to like, we, we've been talking about this conditioning that like, okay, hey, you have to do something and you have to be successful at it because if you're not successful the first time, you suck at it. It's like, what? And the idea that it has to serve a purpose. It's like, you know what? I don't know what purpose painting ultimately is going to serve in your life, but if you're enjoying it, that's a purpose. Hello? <laughs> like that's, that's the reality of the things. And when we're repressing that, we end up with the society we had before COVID. This was an opportunity to look at things and it's like, you know, when I, again, when I look at the science of it, it's like the way, again, the way we were taught about time, even the way we were taught, you know, I read Happy Pocket Full of Money. So if you guys haven't read that, it's an amazing I, book. I've not, I haven't actually heard it. Um, oh my God, it's happen. so good. It's all about wealth consciousness. And of course, it's not just about money. It's about a way of life and you can attract anything this way, but it really breaks down. Like, for example... We get so caught up, like you said, in, in the conditions of things. Well, if I'm going to spend my time doing this, it has to be profitable. It has to have a purpose. I got to be able to sell it. I got to be able, or why am I doing it? And we're just like grinding on that. When really it's like, we don't know how the wealth is going to come. We don't know how it's going to flow in. But if we're not being authentic moment to moment, we're going to miss it anyway. Cause we're stuck on, oh, well, I had to have I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't start here. I didn't do this. We make all these conditions up that say I'm only going to be successful if I dot, dot, dot. We're not living authentically moment to moment and getting those downloads from divine or our own intuition that are allowing us to live. And really wealth and success and all of these things are cultivated from being joyful and just knowing that you deserve it. Yeah. And everything that we've been talking about is so like, you're not enough. You're not doing enough. This ain't enough. You got to do more. Everything is just squeezing people, sucking them dry. When really it's like, no, my beingness is actually enough. Like all of this revolves around me. 
this money only has value because I say that it does. Like, are we forgetting our power? You know what I mean? Just in our beingness, but we're not being when we're on the road and we're 40 hours a week. And So I definitely think that it's really about this. I'm obsessed with the science right now because mm-hmm. so I want to try to explain this in a way that's not like so crazy because I, I saw it in a video, but long story short, everything that everything that we see is made up of quanta, like these little particles. We learn about particles in school, whatever. Um, when these scientists allowed these particles, when they were testing something to be shot through like a narrow gate, like you would think they would just go through, when they go through that little narrow gate, really they ended up everywhere. But then they were like, that's weird. We're only directing it in this one little slit. So why is it going everywhere? So they observed it. And when they observed, when they observed where it was going, those same particles went through the gate and only landed in that slit where the gate was going. So what I'm saying is, is like our intention, the way we look at things, what we believe about things really makes a thing so, because that's how particles react or else they have nowhere to go. They're just all over the place. So when we start to put our ideas and beliefs and faith on a thing, it's only going to head in the way we say. Yeah. So we have to choose what that's going to be. Do you believe the only way to make money is if I work hard? Well, then that's what those particles are going to create. Like, that's what it's going to look like for you. So it's just like we have so many more choices, but if we don't slow down enough to look at it and actually, you know, if we allow society and all the marketing and everything that we're constantly being fed, tell us how we're supposed to live our lives, then that's what we're going to get. And so I really been kind of sensitive to listening to marketing, the media, TV, and all these little quotes and things that we're constantly hearing. And now I'm filtering it through my own ear to make sure, do I really believe that? Or is just this something being said to keep this whole engine out there going? I don't yeah. might not want to participate. I might want to just let my life flow in a different way. And we all have that choice, but we're not being taught to look yeah. at it that way. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like, you know, talking about like the energy thing, I mean, you know, people can say like, here's a very simple example that people can really observe, right? When people, when someone is sad, right? We say they're low energy. Why? Because we really feel that they are low energy. Whereas someone who's upbeat, you feel their energy and you're like, oh, you know, let me see, let's do this. Right. Right. Um, And it is interesting to me, you you know, um, I'm someone that I've kind of been doubtful of a lot of things in my life, but it's interesting how that then gets termed of like, oh, you're just so anti-authority. I'm like, no, I'm just not, I, I just don't buy into it. Like, you know, and if it works, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And and I'm someone who believes in multiple paths to something. And I think one of the things that, that I always kind of go off of in my own life is rather than look at all the things I don't have, you know, you can apply this to anything. I'll take filmmaking. So, okay. You know, I don't have a million dollars to make a movie. I don't have, you know, name actors. I don't have this. It's like, okay, cool. But what do I have? Well, I have a couple of cameras. I have really talented friends. I have my creativity. 
I have a good work ethic to film it myself, edit it myself, and so forth. And will it be Oscar nominated? No, so forth. No, but that's not the point that you you know. Like that's an outcome I cannot control. Can I make a movie? That's an outcome I can control. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I love that. And the way you said that, so that was my. That's always my sentiment. I'm with you. We're here on that. <laughs> and that's how I felt back in 2008 when I started my first company, Sleepless. I'm like. Do I have to wait for Oprah or Steven Spielberg to call me? I got talented friends. I know how to edit. I know how to do all this stuff. And so I did it and it, it was successful and it was fun. And this, and, and what do we call that now? It's influencer marketing. Just a bunch of people who want to be creative. They didn't pay $200,000 for somebody to come film and do all that. People are grabbing their phones, grabbing their friends and it's working out. Yeah. So who's to say? How do we know that the next thing that you do is not going to be Oscar nominated? Like, we just don't know. Or how do we know that? It's, it's like you said, there's infinite ways, there's infinite paths. And when we just get so set on, it has to be this and it's this, this linear look at things. We're only looking at one slice of the pie. And there's a whole pie here of possibilities of how a thing can become a thing. Our only job is to, if you want to do an Oscar nominated film, then just keep that on your heart and go have fun. Somebody could see your iPhone movie and some rich guy that does have a billion dollars wants to give you a quarter of a million to do something because he's bored and wants to be a part of something. So now you're fully funded and now you can go in. And the only reason why you have the skills that you have is because you picked up your phone, you had fun with friends, you knew how to shoot and edit who you think is going to be the best director on that set. You've already done all the roles. You know what yeah. you're doing because you were willing and you never took the Oscar nominated thing off your heart. There's not, we don't know. There's a million ways. Well, let me, so, let me, get, let me get your opinion on this. I'm of, I, I'm of the perspective, whether right or wrong, that the best way to market yourself is just to do great work. I think people get yeah. so gimmicky of like, I'm this, I'm that. It's like, yes, where's the foundation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, like you have a great yes. logo. Love it. Fantastic. Amazing website. Where's the work? And I love that you said that because what we're seeing now, this is the age of Aquarius. And I don't know everything about it, but supposedly we're going to be able to see the real from the fake. So I definitely welcome this season because I'm tired of having to fish through and fight through the fake to be seen because I am. And I got the foundation. So I'm less likely to logo, shine, marketing, this, that. I'm just here working. I'm here. Those who are connected to me know what they can find when they work with me. It's this and that. And there will come a point in time where everything gets bigger, better, and going faster, and there's more or whatever. But I see so many complaints and confusion and mess online from people who were sold by people with the great gimmicks and no foundation. People lost money. People felt were scammed out of things. People did it. And it's just like, again, if we're not slowing down to have any discernment about what we really, you won't be sold. You're going to waste your little money. Just like with the dude, Derek Jackson that just came out. I don't want to make it too much about him, but you know, he's, he's made so much money selling books and YouTube this and hundreds of thousands of views and videos telling women how to avoid narcissists. What kind of dude you need to look out for? Did it? 
And now it just came out. He's been cheating on his wife with multiple women for years. So it's just like, when, how, when are we going to be able to see the truth of the foundation of the people that we're getting this stuff from? Because this is a new age. So I don't blame people. YouTube, Instagram, all this, this is barely a decade, barely. So we're learning how to look at, I don't know, we're learning discernment on a new level. I think because we're used to looking at, oh, the Pepsi commercials, milk, does the body good? Oh, Nike did it. We're, we're used to the big dogs doing it. And we're used to being sold that way. Now, any and everybody <laughs> who can use Canva and a phone can sell you in that same way. So we've got to up our discernment to say, this looks real. This looks fake. This is for me. This is not, I'm not sure. Let me check it out. Like, I don't know. I just think there's more learning to do. What, what do you think are the indicators? and um you know, how do you, how do you judge that? And also I'm curious, like, how do you feel about some of those people that, that are like put on this pedestal who undeservedly versus someone who is honest and truthful. And it's like, oh, they barely break a thousand views or whatever, you know? Gosh, you know, that's really tough. Um, I definitely feel like one of those people. Um, so I'll just speak about myself because I know if it's me, it can't just be me. But I don't, I don't get a lot of views on things and this and that. But I have to remain true and anchored in who I am because I've thought about it many times. Like, should I just do a little after show for the housewives? That's what everybody want to talk about. But I'm not really a gossip talker like that. Like, sure, will me and my friends sit every now and then and watch a show and be like, oh, girl, she was a mess or whatever. Fine. But do I want to be on the internet, like perpetuating gossip? No, not really. It's just not my seal. I'd rather hope that something that comes out of my mouth inspires somebody to go be better and do something better and get greater and evolve. And like, that's awesome for me. Um, so I think it's important to what I tell myself is to not lose that not to lose the anchor in who I am. Just is it about likes and views? No. What did I just say? I said that I hope that I say something that'll spark the mind in someone else to help them evolve. If that's three people, then it's three. I've done my job. Like I, you know, earlier this year in February, um, I've always had it on my heart to speak to teens and I've done a little bit of it, but to stay consistent, keep putting out my work, keep showing up in honesty. I had two schools reach out to me to speak to a group of kids in one, on one day. And it's because they came across something on the internet. Didn't have 2 million views. It was just the fact that it was me showing up as me. So I'm getting the opportunities that are meant for Jamie. So sure. Like, and, and like I said, me walking in that and when it expands, I'll get the larger brands who do whatever, because that's just, I don't believe that my authenticity isn't going to work for me. I don't need you to, you know, 5,000 people to like every video to sit in the knowing that what I have is valuable. It's real. And, and that's just a mindset thing. And it does, I get those moments where I'm like, dang, should I even do this? I don't even think anybody's looking, but then I have to check myself like, okay, but this is just about popularity contest whatever brands are going to rep you and however, what's for me is going to come to me because I'm going to keep being me. So I cannot afford to get distracted in these other things. I can set goals and be like, Oh, you know, I really want whatever the case, but just like I shared with you with the schools, like I would have never guessed that random man in orange County would have come. What I don't even know what video of mine he saw or how he got there. 
or whatever, but I found myself speaking in front of like 2000 kids online and running a panel and talking about the pandemic and all of these important things on this incredible platform. And they want to continue to work with me and pay me. That's awesome. Man. It's not because I'm this big influencer. It's because that, that was for me. Somebody who was meant to see me saw me and I'm getting my opportunities. And I think we should focus more on that. Yeah. And, and I also think to me in an odd way, not that like this is ever my motivating factor, but I, I do see a pattern that um, sometimes it's the culmination of the stuff, right? So someone might not see like all the things that you've done, but they might go to your channel and be like, holy shit, she puts out shit consistently. She's got like X amount of videos <laughs> and this. And, well, honestly, because again, it, to me, it goes back to uh, the, the work is the branding. So just someone seeing like, okay, there's a level of consistency here. It looks good and so forth. I don't even need to watch this shit. Like I'm just already sold on the idea that you're doing it. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, um, I don't know how you sort of look at uh, our peers in that sense. I'm not a host, right? Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I like to jab them, um, our various friends. I'm like, you are a professional host. And yet I see CEOs hosting more shit than you. And you know what? Me that doesn't do shit. I'm putting out way more content than you. What are you I was doing? like, you are kind of a host at this point. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I don't look at myself in that way in, in the I idea that I would, I would never like, you know, host a red carpet or something like that. Like that's not my right. driving force. My driving force right. is um, to talk about the stuff that I want to talk about. And if it helps, it helps. And, you know, um, and I mainly gear my stuff towards creatives and then, of course, the criticism can be, well, I talk about politics and this mental shit and whatever else. And it's like, you can't really be creative without also seeing the world. Correct. <laughs> you know, and also being good in your mind, you know, so that's why. Yeah. No, I yeah. love it. And you're right. And that's why I stay committed. Like, I mean, we were doing after I was with After Buzz for three years. I at the end, I started missing a couple of shows. because It was getting real hard for me to get over there with my job. But really for the most part in three years I, di I didn't miss any shows you know and one day I'll tell well I'm telling the story now but it's like I'm so committed to hosting there was times where I had my show at After Buzz and whatever was going on in my life I wasn't I was in Orange County so I would have to take Uber to the train to another train and either walk a mile and some change or take another Uber just to do my hour show then because there's no trains at night, I got to stay at a friend's house, do whatever, and then take another Uber to the train back to Orange County just for a one hour show. Like, are you hosting or not? Like, how are you, you know? And so I tell that to say, like, we have to be committed to what we're doing in a way that, like what you said, when you go look and you look at the body of work, it's like, you're not really going to see no gaps for me. Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm committed to. And I believe there's value in that. And who knows, like, we'll find out. There's going to be a point where we find out and it's going to be a moment. And it's going to, it'll, it'll look like that big thing that everybody is, you know, going for. But I, de I definitely believe in the consistency and staying there. And then that's why when everything happened, um, you know, with After Buzz, I still continue. I'm just like, well, let me put my own little two shows on, YouTube and keep going. I can't stop. Like I can't not host. And I learned so much and now I'm hosting panels and doing the best I can. Of course, you know, the production quality, I, I don't have, I don't have, y'all don't have my team, but it's still 
getting done because well, I it, am a host. See, the irony, <laughs> the, the, the COVID thing, right? All of a sudden, boom, COVID hits. And you in your own apartment are no different than Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Stephen Colbert, Ryan Seacrest. Like, we're all in our weirdo heart, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yes. And, you know, we might have different backgrounds and whatever, like someone's house might be a little bit nicer. And you're like, ooh, what do they got on that bookshelf over there? What, what are they right. reading? You know what I mean? Yes. But, but, but it like leveled the playing field and, and so yes. forth. Um, so, so yeah, and, uh, I, you know, obviously I wish I could say like, it's all about like the quality of the content and that's not always going to be the case. Um, right. you know, it, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, um, but yeah, I, I do believe like that was a big playing, uh, it leveled it off and yeah, I, I mean, agree now, you know, uh, going back to the idea that you talked about of like, however many people, right. There was a, there was a friend of mine, he wants to like get a show going and he wants to help, um, uh, LGBTQ people, right. Through various ways. And he has, you know, all the, this vision and so forth, but he kept going back, you know, I just want to help one person and this and that. And I was like, okay, cool here's the thing you keep saying this and you keep like needing to whatever I said, it's probably not going to be perfect out of the gate, but every day that you're not putting the show out, you stand no chance of helping that one kid that you want to help. And that that's what I'm saying. That is so important. You know, one, I was at a retreat one day and somebody had said, you know, what if you got to the end of your life and God showed you all the people you didn't help because you did move. Like you, we're saying we want to help these people, but if you don't get to work, this is just an idea. I just want to help people. I'm just in the house and I just want to help people. Like, well, we can go do it. Even when we're, all I did was pop my phone up and like, we, it's just, we have so much access now. There's no excuse. And I understand that people want it to look a certain way. Even with my thing, King Speak, that was an event, but I was like, I can interview guys online and we can have the same conversation online. And then I was like, oh, this would be so fun if the women could talk about this because we need to know it comes. That's where it all comes from. The passion, like, okay, women want to hear this stuff, but we got to talk about it too, because that's how we are. And that show is almost doing better <laughs> than the original one, but it just and it's not perfect. It doesn't have all of this marketing, all this, but people enjoy it. It's helpful and it's fun. What will it be in the future? I don't know, but you I'm I'm a I'm an avid doer. I think if you have an idea, just do it. Like, who cares what it looks like? You see some of the dumbest stuff going viral, like no effort. One of the, one of the videos on my YouTube page, that's probably doing the best. I was like, it was low lighting. I was making food and I was just talking and walking around on the phone. Like I, I, it was nothing. I, I promise you anything, nothing of it. Nothing has more views than sitting up with my ring light and doing this and doing that. So it's, it's not about that. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, here's a fun fact. Um, Anna Kendrick, when, um, what was the movie with her and Blake Lively? Um, I'm blanking on the name, um, but it's, it's kind of like, a, it's a Paul Feig movie. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Came out kind of a few years ago. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. she plays a mommy vlogger, right? And okay. for her, for Anna, the, the actual person to study and get into this character, she looked at the most successful vloggers. Um, and what she found was the ones who were less presentational were the ones that were top tiered because the ones who were presentational, they weren't actually giving good tips on how to be a wonderful mom. They were like, hello. 
it's you know, it was all it, it was all like, hey, did you like and subscribe my thing? You know. Yep. Yeah. They, they were there for the likes, the comments, and the subscriptions, as opposed to like, hey, you, did your puke? Does your kid puke on you all the time? Here's what you got to do. You know. Why with the puke on your shirt and with the exactly life, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know? But that goes to what I was saying too, and what we were talking about with our discernment. Are you still blinded by the glitz and the glam or did you learn something? Did something that you heard resonate or did you just buy it because the packaging is pretty? Yeah. Don't talk to me about being scammed out of your money by these gurus because you bought a pretty package and you didn't get the help you needed. You didn't listen. You didn't try. What, what about this resonated and was it in touch with who you were? And I think that that people can, you know, put more effort into that. And I think that'll be a little bit more helpful too, just in totality. Yeah. Um. Now, as we kind of come up on the hour mark, I want to, um, I'd be remiss. Oh, already? I know it goes by so fast. <laughs> it does. Um, I, w- I want to get your take um, on kind of the, the state of state of America, let's say, right? Obviously, okay. there's been a lot of stuff that's happened, continues to happen. You are, uh, you're not only a black person in America, you're a black woman in America. And uh, I don't know if nothing else, but for myself, I you know, I try to educate myself. I know that I am not perfect and things like that. And I'm not always aware of even the things that I have been privileged with. And so, you know, this, yeah. How, how have you been processing what's been going on? Obviously I, I, I don't think any, this is new for you. You know, this has been going on, right? but, but yes, the, the floor is yours. And I'm, I want to listen and I hope audiences do as well. Yeah, no, I'm glad you circled back to this. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, huh. So let's see. I want to start by, you know, it's like, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to tell the, what my truth is. Um, I do think we've come a long way as a country, as, as a whole. And when I say that, I mean, I'm not experiencing segregation. I'm not a slave. I'm not being, you know, there's all of these things that are different. Um, However, so I just wanted to, you know, I'm not saying that um, there are still so many underlying um, aromas of negative and kind of like racist thinking. And I don't, a lot of the times I don't even think people know they're doing it or so subconscious. And what I've been constantly thinking about, especially in the past year, because it's always been this stuff. If you think back to NWA and where rap started and all this, people been telling y'all about the cops, been, and y'all, I mean, y'all by the world, people been telling the world, rapping about their experiences, about what's going on and what it looks like. And, um, but now that we have these phones and the technology, we're seeing it in a different way. I think these millennial, us millennials, millennial kids have a different view on things. This is, um, you know, but it's just like, uh, what I would like to see is an overhaul of the whole foundation. Because regardless, the way this country started, to me, it's a foundational thing. And there's so many structures in place that if they're not completely dismantled and started over for the greater good with everybody in mind. I mean, we can, we're just putting a bandaid on a bullet wound at this point with some of this stuff being like, well, let's do this and let's do that. Let's pull it up by the roots and start over. 
So start fresh, like hit the reset button with some real equality here. So let me, let me get your perspective on this. Um, number one, why I, I feel like there's just this huge pushback on like, we're not a racist country. And it's like, like we can't even begin to, to, to create solutions when it's like, okay, fine. Um, we're not, like you said, we're, we're not, we don't have people enslaved and so forth, but can we just admit that there is some racism and maybe we can all solve it? You know, like we just what, kind of like be real. Yeah. Like, I don't know. What, what's your perspective on this just inherent incessant need to be like, I'm not racist. That seems to be like the well, catch all term. Yeah. I think it's part of it. Um, I think it's part of the problem. Um, and it's really hard to explain. For example, it's like, God, and this is so layered. There's so much. I'm just trying to think of something. So for example, hmm, I do the shows that I do Kings speak and Queens glean, right? When it comes to men in general, yes, but black men, when it comes to, let's just talk about our families and dating and community. If your great grandfather was enslaved then your great grandfather was in segregation and still being shot at and all these things. Then your grandfather, he went, these are people in your bloodline that are going through things. Where do we learn from our parents? Where do our parents learn from? From their parents. Where did their parents learn from? From So when (laughs) a lot of the stuff, in my opinion, that goes on in our families, our communities, has come from the root of the issue, which is where we started in this country. You know, there was this thing, I think it's called the Green Book. God, please forgive me. I'm terrible at history. But, you know, just the little books that, you know, Black folks had to make when traveling. These are grandparents or great-grandparents when traveling just to make sure they didn't stop at the wrong gas station or the wrong place to eat because there was going to be trouble there for being Black. That scary mentality, you pass down to your kids. Don't go there. Don't go do this. You can't do that. Da, 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 da. So now you're raised. You're, there, where's the freedom? When we're really talking about freedom, sure, I can go sit there and eat now. But now, because my grandmama done told me so many stories and she warned me about all this, am I looking at things crazy? Like we just, it's a long line and a long chain of things, or even with um, men not being able to be emotionally available and talk or just having to go to work and protect the family. No, we need you to talk. We need you to have emotions. We need to know what's going on or else now we're ending up with fathers that aren't there, mothers that are raising, you know, I saw somebody else on Twitter saying something about black women. Well, oh, I just see the majority of them are just so loud and angry and maybe they should just allow their men to lead. And I'm thinking, girl, first of all, first of all, I don't know what shows you're watching because me and my friends, we're, we're not loud and angry, crazy women. There's reality TV. There's some things. Everybody's different. There's people that are hype in all races, shapes, and colors. And then it just made me think, it's like, dang, like, you really think as a woman, we just have the whole power to demand how all of our men are acting. If a man is a leader, he's going to lead. I don't have to allow a man to lead. If you're a leader, that's what you're going to do when everything in succession falls in line. But we're not looking at how black men were constantly broken down in this country, constantly not able, you know, fathers not being around, um, the war on drugs being introduced. I have friends who drive around 
I have a friend who drove around Malibu with their son, nervous, black, because they were running out of gas. You know, you, we're in 2020 and you still nervous to run out of gas in a white neighborhood because you don't want to, that's messed up. Like people don't, you don't think straight. You don't father straight. You don't work straight. You don't become an amazing member with all that stuff running in your blood and running under your system. So I just think that even with everything that happened at the top of last year with BLM and everything, I don't know how I feel because I know I, they got so much money. I don't know where that money went. Are we just going to be building youth centers and whatever? Or are we going to, what I would like to see is let's send out an army of therapists to get to the root of the problem. We have to fix our mindsets in our communities in order to rise above the BS that's going to happen. Like, but I think it's all a mindset. And so I, I know I'm all over the place. There's so many layers I could talk no, about I mean, black women in the That's why I mean, and- yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I gave it the justice in terms of even like allotting any, any, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it's an episode in and of itself, you know? It's um, a lot. It's a lot. Even the way black women have to deal, like if, if our men are broken or in prison or all of these things are happening, people complain now, all strong, independent women. What do you expect a woman to be? How am I going to eat? How am I going to make food? How am I going to, if my man is not here, if we're not getting married, if I don't have a husband, if the men are locked or, you know, there's all of this, it's, it's a, there's a divide in the community in many different ways from our music to media. And then don't get me wrong. There's a lot of beautiful families and community, but it's family, it's community, it's mindset. And these are all things that I feel like have been under attack in various ways. And if you're not able to mentally overcome it, even if we don't, even if we don't change the laws, which I hope we do, but it's like, how do we use our real inherent power to rise above this in a way, you know, I don't know. Um, well, a girl. Yeah. Well, no, I, I do. I do think it, it is, inter- you know, tying it to the idea that I like, we just have this inherent need to just like throw it to the side. So like, it's almost very interesting hearing you talk this idea that we're so quick to come up with and create the excuses, right? So, okay, number one, I'm not a racist, right? Or um, the idea of like, you know, let let your uh, black men lead or, you know, um, that they're not there and so forth. And it's like, even about the leadership idea, it's like, um, that's a very myopic viewpoint of leadership because there's many examples of incredible re- leaders who take a step back and allow for voices to come forward and let the people, let the group shine because that's how good leadership can showcase itself. And then we needed, sure, they might nudge it here and there or say, hey guys, let's really reconsider this. But to say like that, just the person talking the most is automatically the leader. What kind of bullshit is that? Yeah, and we have to be empowered because you got to think about it too. For me, when I look at like Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, Tupac, because Tupac was a leader. He, he was get, bringing them gangs together. They were all murdered. Yeah. So who do you think wants to speak up and lead the revolution? Like, it does have to be a collective thing. And it's not just about, I don't use racial slurs, so I'm not. It's like, it's just so much bigger than that. It's bigger than, you know, it, it, walking by a Black person in the street and not cowering makes you not race. Like, there's so much. It's it's way bigger than that. So I don't have it all figured out. 
but I do know there's a lot that, you know, goes on or, you know, a girlfriend of mine is doing a workshop this weekend for healing black women in the workplace. Cause that's a whole thing. We got a code switch. The way I talk at work is not the way I talk to my friends. And I know that that can be universal, but it's also just like, um, from the way we wear our hair, that can be an issue. It's just like being under constant attack for our being in this. It's like natural hair just became cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got people running around with lip injections now, tanning, butt injections, just to look like everything that was made fun of. If it's, uh, you know what I mean? It's just a lot. It's like, it's weird. And so I think as a black person, the best thing that we can do is heal our mindset. I don't know if running out in the street and marching or begging for legislation to change, or, and I say begging, cause it's like, this should be a no brainer. What do we, what paperwork are we wait, waiting on? Like, so y'all do that. Why we heal here? Because when we're, div- you know, it's a divide and conquer situation, but if we can be a community and a family, this is a lot harder to break. But if it's constantly perpetuated in many different ways to keep family from being together, we don't have community, we don't have strength. So to me, that is the answer for Black Americans as a people is community and family. I think from there, we'll be able to deal with navigating the workplace, police brutality and all these things. But it's a mental thing. And back to the top of the conversation with this, it's like if your great grandfather and your great, you're learning from you got to think about where you're learning from like my my grandmother's mother was like kind of mean but she got her behavior from slave owner like that's how she was treated so you treat your kids like that you're not treating your kid where do you have time to give love and kindness and be home and love on your kids and teach no you're a single mom this is what you went through you're barely putting food on the table and then you raise kids what do you think the mentality of those kids are going to be like, how are they going to teach their kids? They're going to teach them what they know. So we have to heal a lot. It's just, and I think that's the place to start rather than like legislation, police protect, because I don't even know how to attack that. Yeah. We've been marching. People have been in the streets for a, lot, a long time now. Yeah. I don't know if that's. No, I mean, I think, I think that's, a, that's a very beautiful thing. And it's not the first time that I've actually heard it. My, uh, my professor, Rob Patton Sproul, you know, he was a black man and he would talk a lot about, you know, the strength of a community and, and, you know, having uh, black owned stores and so forth and really having like a neighborhood thing. Um, and obviously that's a wonderful perspective. It's, it's not one that I can, I think rightly share, you know, it's not like I could tell, I would never dare to be like, Hey, you know, cause I, as a white man, I realize like the way to solve that for me is like, no, this is racism is not a black issue. It's a, it's a issue created by white people. So that's my thing, you know, in terms of how I view um, this and what my mission and, and action steps are, because you're right. I mean, you've done the marching, you've done this, you you know, people, and I'm, I'm so amazed, you know, there's so many friends, like, however well-intentioned, you know, they would be like, okay, all right, I'm ready to learn about racism. And, you know, they go to their black friends, like teach me, uh, you know, all this stuff. It's like, there's books, there's books. They, there's every, there's, you literally can do all the work that you want. There's books, there's documentaries, there's interviews, there's what, whatever you could possibly imagine is out there for you to learn. Um, you know, uh, so my, you know, and I realized this about myself. I, not that I was consciously doing it, but, um, you know, I was reading a lot of white authors cause that's 
you know, throughout high school, you kind of, you know, Hemingway and Mark Twain and this and that. I'm like, those are great guys. Great. Wonderful books. Love them. But let me read some uh, women authors. Let me read some um, black authors. And I was like, oh, there's, there's a lot of really wow. good literature out there. Right. <laughs> you know, no. So honestly, yeah. and that was a shortcoming of mine. And and now I'm glad I, I did address that. But um and I don't like to blame because look at our school system. Like I wrote, grew up reading the same thing. We have to, you got to get with your uncles and cousins and other people mm-hmm. to read black things. And, you know, imagine me, I went to school, you know, I, I grew up pretty diverse, but it's like, you read Mark Tain in school. It's like, I'm not reading this out loud. They done said the N word, like how many times, like I'm embarrassed, like kids are being embarrassed at an early age in school. Like, it's just weird. We, so many things are just so, you know, and I don't like to blame people because again, I would never go to a store across the street and be like, this is a white owned store. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I still get bothered by the fact I saw a post the other day where it's like, I don't know the woman's name. I forgot. I'm terrible at that, but you know, entertainment tonight just hired their first black anchor. And for me, I'm just like, we're still at this. Oh my God. The first black, like, should I be excited? Like, I'm glad she has a job, but we're, yeah. this is weird. It feels we- for to be a black woman. It feels weird that I'm supposed to celebrate entertainment tonight, having a first black female anchor. Yeah. Okay. Like, all right. I'm happy for her in the job, but that just, what are we talking about here? Like, that's weird to me, to me. It's weird to me to hear. Yeah. Well, it's let, me get, weird. let me get your perspective. Cause um, you know, um, interestingly enough, I, I won't name names, but I do have, you know, some, black friends and I've kind of talked about with them and you know for for example they'll see like a lot of ads now incorporate mixed families or whatever else and they're like you know at least that's that's a victory and you know I'm not someone to tell them how to feel but I was like okay but who's aren't you concerned who's making those decisions because at the end like I'm not saying this is a catch-all but in a lot of the commercials that we see especially the higher up ones those those decisions about who to cast was made by, let's just say white men most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And it's like, so it's great to have representation on screen. That's wonderful. But what about the behind the scenes stuff as well? And that's a great question. And a lot of the times, you know, people get it wrong because it's not integrated enough. And I even think about that in the workplace. It's like, yeah, like all of these decisions being made, it's, you know, it becomes affirmative action to invite too many, you know, brown people. Like, it's just weird to me. It should just be like, who's qualified, what's going on, asking the right people, the right questions, you know, and, and bringing in the people who are actually a part of it or doing whatever it is. It's just, like you said, the people putting these things together behind the scenes, it's mostly, you know, why? So how do you figure we're getting it right? How? If it's not really the melting pot. When I grew up, like, you remember Schoolhouse Rock, you know, the great American <laughs> melting pot. I'm like, okay, I'm a military brat. So I grew up a little bit different. Like, my life was naturally integrated with all kinds of people because my dad was in the military. That's already an own pot of itself. But it was just like, it's not that. I'm growing up and I'm looking around and I'm like, gee, if you see too many black people in a movie, it's a black movie. Like, it's just different. Like, I don't, you know, it's just, I don't even know. I don't even know how to wrap my head around it because it's just not properly integrated. Well, here's what's interesting. <laughs> and I don't know I, why. <laughs> I think, well, I think part of it, again, I, I think there's this, just this continued dismissal in all various forms and the very few times that any solution might be had, I think 
um, we give it the lazy solution. So here's an example. Uh, you know, oftentimes like people are, it's well-intentioned. They're trying to do this blind hiring, right? So no name on the, on the, on the resume. So it's just purely the resume and so forth. That way you don't know if it's a guy, a girl, you know, um, or what ethnicity and so forth. And it's like, okay, you know, you're nodding your head and I see even that, like, okay, it's well, but the problem is, so let's say you get hired, right? Mm -hmm. Now come Monday, you have to show up as a black woman to a predominantly all white, you know, firm, whatever that may be. Right. I'm just making up Mm -hmm. an example. So, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, the dynamic isn't built into that for then that white firm to be, they just don't know how to handle it. It's like, wait, they okay, don't now, now we're working with you. What the, you know, what the fuck we do? It's like, well, we hired the best person and you know, we did it. Bl- and it's like, yes, that was well, that was well-intentioned and fine, but it negated the fact that this person still has to show up and the dynamic there now exists. And how do you address that? You know, what happens a lot. I have a friend and we talked about it on my show, Queens Glean. And she is like that. She's, making her way up the chain and she's the only black woman, but in the, you know, it's all these white guys and then, you know, maybe a couple Latina guys, but it's like, it is weird for her to speak up. You really think she can, you can't like, you can't really speak your mind. You never really feel comfortable to be honest about what, and you know, companies lose out by not being able to get that voice. But it's like, as a black woman, I don't, Again, I don't know what it is. This whole, it's more aggressive. It's this or that. We talk with our hands. I don't know what the problem is, but, (laughs) you know, there's certain things that if we don't say it in the quote unquote right way, like you're fired. I mean, I know. And and that's what's crazy to me. What what the hell's the right way? Like you look at Italian men, right? And obviously I'm going down a stereotype, but like, yelling, loud, 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 you know, like that's the whole stereotype of like just loud and I'm not in your face talking over each other. It's like we can pick and choose whatever stereotypes we want and, and, and they conflict. So let's just understand the culture a little better and also understand that not everyone, even if they're part of that culture, is going to be exactly like that. And if they play, do play into the stereotype, then okay, it's, it doesn't mean that it, the stereotype is fully true. It just means that this is the person that they are. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't mean that you won't get value or education or knowledge or wisdom from that person, no matter how they're coming off. Like, I remember when I first got into the working world, because I didn't go to college, and one of my first jobs, <laughs> it's just, we talk about this at home, but like the girls who would come to the desk, they're just, you know, regular white girls, but they would come to my desk like, what's that girlfriend? And, da, 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 da. and it's like, girl, just relax. Like, even if I do talk, like, if you don't, like, what are we doing? What, what is this exchange? It's weird. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. It, you know? And so I, I do, I think it's like marketing. I think that has a lot to do with things. And um, I love to talk about black love and, you know, all of our beautiful things, because it's like, you know, some people think if you see a group of black people get scared, I get excited. Like, like this is about to be the best barbecue, the best party, the most fun, like let people have their sauce. Like, you know, of course there's negativity in all races and whatever, depending on where you're at, but it's just kind of like, how do I continue? And that's my solution. How do I continue to perpetuate the love and the celebration? Because that needs to be more of that out there. There's an offset when the music is talking about things. The media is talking about things. Ever the reality show looks like things. You get on TV shows and the way it's casted. It's only this and that. Like all of this is marketing. So I think 
Now, if anything, is the time to, again, check in with self and think about what's real for you. We're constantly being sold. And the quicker you can realize that, then maybe you can start to look at things with a different lens, like that's off or that's weird or or not receive it in a way where you're making your reality and you're walking out and the first black person you see, you're like, yo, what's up? It's like, okay. I grew up in Irvine, honey, like, you know, or whatever. It's like, you just don't, it doesn't just keep it real. (laughs) Everybody needs to keep it real. Well, we don't know what that means anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I kind of, I work with people that work in like the, uh, the magazine world, for example. Right. And, you know, the, the, the kind of thing that people like to hide behind is this idea of like, it's a meritocracy and, um, you know, like, well, we tried putting someone, uh, you know, we, we tried having a, a black person on the cover this one month and it just didn't sell. It's like, no shit. Cause you put them on the month that you knew statistically never fucking sells. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So like, absolutely. And intentional. Yeah. And so anyway, I don't, I don't know what I was kind of, I just wanted to, it's a little, I can't say fun fact, cause that's a terrible term, but, um, but no, I thought it was, yeah. So I, I figured I'd share that because like, these are just all the insidious ways in which this per- gets perpetuated. Um, yeah. You know, and again, are all people that like, you know, do this and, and put someone black on, on a magazine cover intentionally do it? No, but it doesn't mean it's not subconscious. And and I just wish we like, yeah, just stop resisting this idea. And it's like, okay, there's racism. Now, how do we solve it? Let's put our minds to something to better instead of creating excuses why it doesn't exist. I've heard a billion reasons why it doesn't exist. Great. Right. Now let's now right. let's actually come up with like five to really solve it. Yeah. And you know, the little things are the big things. So it is just, you know, like I said, with the girl who commented on some, you know, somebody on Twitter had wrote that they don't, they only believe that 15 to 20% of black children will be raised in a two parent household in a certain amount of years or whatever, which is already disheartening. And I don't know how true, but you know, just for somebody who is not of this culture to, you know, say, well, all of it. no offense, but every time I see a woman, she's doing this and this and this. And it's just like, it's comments like that. It's thought processes like that. So I commented, like, if you have to start your sentence with no offense, you're probably being offensive. So there's an opportunity for us to constantly be examining in a way where, you know, it's just a little bit more productive and helpful because it's the collective thing. I was thinking about that too, with everything that happened in 2020, you know, um, with George Floyd and, you know, Breonna Taylor, you know, and all these things. Um, and it was all very awful. And that's like a whole thing that I don't even know what the solution is, but additionally, it's just like, there was two sides of the coin with the energy that that put out. And I'm very big on energy because collective energy also shapes the health of a nation. So if you got how we function together matters. So I love to see, you know, I don't want to discredit the people who did get out in the streets and do things in March because I know the intention behind it was like, this is wrong. Like, no, I'm standing up for it. And that's beautiful and powerful. And so the other side of the coin with that is like the anger, the rage, the fear, the, you know, all of that being cultivated, it was just a lot of energy. And I just, I, I want to be mindful with like what you're saying, instead of resisting 
and acting like there isn't an issue. Just like, what can we do? Because that collective energy and mindset will produce solutions because back to the laws of the universe, that's how it goes. And so there's an opportunity for everyone. And again, I don't have all the answers, but I feel like we're headed in the right direction. I just want us to keep going with the internet, with the way kids are being built these days. I'm going to continue to talk about love because I, I, I'm so tired of my friends like the, and their broken family. It's like, it's just, to me, that's like the biggest, clearest, like we got to keep, because even when it comes to wealth and everything, you see these two parents that are passing down this to their kids. They've got these plans. They've got legacy together. It needs to be continually cultivated. Not to say that there's, there's black folks that have that. Of course, our community has that as well, but just more of it, just even more and to just focus on that so that our generations will be okay. So this is a, this is a turning point right now. 2020 was a turning point. You want a clarity? There you go. 2020 vision right there. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think, uh, I think I'll try to summarize it in this way um, to give some <laughs> action steps and uh, mind you by no means am I trying to tell anyone uh, what I'm going to speak. I'll speak for, white america okay but if it, <laughs> and i'll say this i invite if if this helps then by all means anyone else can use the advice and that's um and i think this ties in everything that we talked about the idea that sometimes you got to take a step back it's okay to not be in the grind all day every day and by allowing yourself to do that it, it will give you that clarity um to to have a little bit of the answers, right? And, you know, like for someone like you, I don't think going out and protesting in the streets is the best use of your talents. But I think for somebody else, um, you know, there was a point for me where I I did it because I felt, you know, um, for one way or another, A, I wanted to show solidarity and B, I didn't know what I could do. And then I also did take a step back and I said, you know what, um, I there are things I can do on a greater level. And so I think part of it is just assessing where you're at, because I don't think, you know, um, protesting the street is a bad thing. If, if that's what you're able to do, I think it deserves to, to be seen, but you know, you might have other resources. So I think that's the other thing you might feel like you have nothing in life, you know, creatively or otherwise, but just assess what you have. And I promise you, you have some tools in your, your kit that you can employ and make some progress. Yeah. So is that a fair way to wrap yeah. up everything we talked about? Yeah, no, great summary. I love it. And, you know, just really quick, it remind me of, um, yeah, I would say that just use what's in your hand. Like we have enough. So I just, I love that. That was a great. great summary. I think that's on point. You know, it's always great talking with you. There's Again, always having conversations where you can learn and grow and add to the evolvement of someone's mind or how they function. Like I'm all about it. So I'm always going to be ready to come chat with you about anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always appreciate, I always learn so much. And, um, and it's, and even, even with the things, let's say I don't, it's just always just healthy to, uh, to just have that reinforced and just have that positivity. Right. There's always a purpose. Yeah. Um, uh, and lastly, so please, by all means, share everything that you're doing with the audience so that way they can uh, they can continue. Yeah, tune in. Okay, I have um, King Speak, which is every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. So you can go to my Instagram and find everything. So my Instagram is at Jamie Alexander. 
which is J-A-I-M-I, Alexander. Um, and then after we give King-level men an opportunity to speak on self-mastery, vulnerability, emotional intelligence, and things that men usually don't speak about, we have a women's panel that follows on Thursdays, Queens Glean, and the girls just get together and talk. Sisterhood is very important. Ladies, we need each other. It's like our own group therapy to help us understand, grow, and you know, um, learn from each other. So I have that. Um, and I have a course actually that I wrote, which I'm always trying to figure out how to market. Cause I'm just over here being myself, but, um, it's called the power of posture and it really teaches people, you know, there's so much about how to get a man, be feminine and all this. All I want to share is to get back in touch with your authentic self and to be able to hear moment by moment, what's right for you. Some of these blanket things like don't text him in a week if he does this and then it, we're just confusing ourselves and it makes us operate from the ego, which really robs the feminine of what we're best at, which is receiving. So I wrote a course called The Power of Posture and it's all about just how to get back in alignment with self, clear the noise and attract what's for you. And um, where's that? Uh, yeah, the, the, so it's a course, but how do, how do they Instagram, take it? On your Instagram, great. Yeah, everything's on my Instagram. You can watch King speak on YouTube. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can purchase my course, The Power of Posture. Um, I also wrote Social Media Interviewing 101 for those of you who want to get your hosting on. If you have a product, service, or expertise that you need to be sharing, this will get you started. Um, so you can share that with the world. It's go time. So those are all my things right now. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And all of it can be found on my Instagram at Jamie Alexander.